What's up and welcome to the Ask Father Josh Show, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, and catechesis. The list goes on and on and on. I will then again sit with them, study them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. But here is my disclaimer. I am not perfect. I am not infallible. Therefore, the advice I give to you, the responses I share with you might not be good for you. If that's the case, please reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I really, really, really want to encourage you to lean into God in more prayer, study, fellowship, and worship so that our Lord can give you the graces that you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship throughout your walk toward eternity. On today's show, we have a special guest uh, joining us. Her name is Lisa Cotter. Lisa Cotter, what's happening? Hey, Father Josh. It's so good to be with you. This makes me so happy. I'm, I'm happy as well to be with you. I was telling you right before we got on the show that um, I'm, I'm just excited to be with you for a number of reasons. One, uh, because uh, this you have a new book that just came out with Ascension about the feminine yeah. genius. What's the title of that book? It's Reveal the Gift, Living the Feminine Genius. Love that. And I can't wait to, to address that and what inspired you to write that book. Because I think, yeah, like right now we're living in a time where femininity is under attack and there's a lot of confusion about what is the feminine genius and what is the role of woman and daughter and sister and wife and mother in our society. And so I'm just so grateful that you were inspired by the spirit to write this book. Uh, because when you write books, a lot of supernatural fruit comes from it. You and your husband, Kevin, wrote a really great book together a number of years ago called Dating Detox that y'all gave me for free. Thank you for that. I love free books. Um, <laughs> whenever I was campus minister at LSU, my first year as a priest, um, and I shared it with a number of, of students. And yeah, it, it transformed their lives. And so oh. you, the two of you, your words, your witness, your wisdom helped them to, to grow in virtue, to avoid the near occasion of sin, to find freedom. And so uh, thank you for that. But also, I'm excited to have you as a guest because when we were hanging out at that seek so many years ago, um, I did not know too many of the people that were in the speaker's lounge. And I remember you and Kevin both, uh, you sat with me. And Toni Morrison has this quote where she says, uh, whenever people impact our lives, we're not always going to remember what words they said, but we will remember how they made us feel. And I just remember the two of you made me feel so welcomed. And so I just thank you because you didn't have to go out of yourself to spend time with some priest who you didn't even know at that time, but you did. And it really made me feel welcomed. Um, and I'm grateful for you and your husband. Oh, Father Josh, that is so kind of you. We were delighted. I remember that. I do remember sitting in the speaker lounge chatting with you and what a joy it was to get to meet you in your newbie first year as a priest. It was so exciting. Yeah, fun, fun times. So you have this new book out and we're going to have a bunch of questions that we're going to respond to later on the show about femininity and motherhood and Mary and female saints. And, um, and But before we get into those topics, uh, and before we get to our glory stories that we're going to share, I just want to ask you really quick, like, what inspires you to write this book at this time in history? Because like, I just think it's providential that your book came out like, right now, whenever it's just, yeah, it's really, really important that this book is out. Yeah, it is an interesting time that it came out, especially because this book has been on my heart for over a decade. So it was um, a Sikh conference that inspired the book years ago. This was 2013. Uh, the Sikh team asked me to give a talk on authentic Catholic femininity and I remember getting the request and thinking, 
No, Lord. No. Why? Don't ask me to do that. I don't know how to answer that question. That's a huge, crazy, big question. I feel like I'm honestly failing at this whole Catholic womanhood thing. I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm looking around at other people, comparing myself and thinking that, yeah, I just stink at this, right? But I said yes to that talk. It was at the time we were focused missionaries. We were missionaries for 11 years. So at the time we were missionaries and, um, you know, just fully into the mission. And so I thought, you know, if they think I can do it, then I, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll say yes. And it was something that I knew for myself I needed to study, I needed to research on, because I was honestly a little bit afraid of what the Catholic Church said authentic femininity was, because I had in my mind a version of the answer that, mm. um, you know, I had created based upon, you know, picking up different things from from different books or talks or conversations with friends. And I was, yeah, just a little worried that maybe what the church said wasn't going to speak to me, wasn't going to fit my my personality, my heart, my desires. And then I would have to, um, I don't know, change or have yeah. to kind of like live this life of feeling like I was doing it wrong. So I said yes, because I was like, you know, I shouldn't be afraid of this. I should hit this head on. So I did. And what I found was so freeing and so mm. relieving. And I, I wish I would have known it earlier. <laughs> what was most freeing about what you found? What did you discover that, that was so liberating? Yeah. You know, I thought that to be a Catholic woman, you had to fit into this tight, neat little mm. box. Yeah. That you had to live this one specific way of life down to having, you know, the right Catholic planner and the right Catholic jewelry and the right Catholic cardigan or whatever it was, you know, I thought it looked like this tight little box. And then as I began to read the writings of Pope St. John Paul II and both the popes who came after him and the popes who came before him as well, I began to realize, no, there's actually so much freedom in the way that we express our femininity, yeah. the way that we live these feminine gifts. And um, that to me was like, oh, okay, so it's okay that I don't cry at, you know, romantic comedies. <laughs> That's not the mark of a woman. And I thought maybe it was. You know, all these and there silly are some things that I put into my own head. At those movies as well. So shout out to all the men who cry like, like Jesus did. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I kind of had these like stereotypes that I thought, you know, were um, more so of the world, but I thought they were the stereotypes of the church. And to realize, no, there's, there is a playing field, of course, to our gender, to how we were created, but that field is huge. It's really big. And the way in which we can live and express those gifts that are given to us was so much vaster and wider than I ever could have imagined. And so it was a relief to me. Um, and so that's, you know, that desire to write this book and to share what I had discovered was placed on my heart back then. But God just was like, wait, just wait. And then he called me to write Dating Detox, and that was a now book. <laughs> so mm -hmm. got that call, wrote it, got it out there. That was about five years ago. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, two years ago, I really felt the Lord saying now. And I don't think I could have predicted how much that now was going to be needed because so much has changed even in the last two years in the way that we talk about um, women in the church and gender, both, you know, both sides of the church. Um, new conversations are happening. And then here my book landed just in the middle of all of that. And so I really felt it was the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that mm. um, he broke through my stubbornness and, and made sure to direct the right time. Mm. Ah, so good. Well, I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on your book. I can't wait to read it and to, to share it because I just, uh, I trust your wisdom. I trust you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, the fruit of your study and your prayer is going to once again bear supernatural fruit um, in the lives of the readers, 
um, who are going to be impacted by your words. So thank you so much. Now, with that being said, uh, and the book can be ordered on essentialpress.com, right? That's right. Yeah. Slash reveal the gift. Awesome. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our glory story. Boom. All right, sweet. So glory story time. So I don't know about you, but uh, my Holy Week this past week, my Triduum was so good, so good, so good, so good. I got to go to Assisi in Rome. And yeah, right. I'm so I'm so uh. spoiled. The Lord spoiled me. So I have two seminarians who are about to be ordained deacons, um, Albert and Joseph. And so the three of us were able to go to Rome and then Assisi and I was going for them to like accompany them and, and do a retreat for them. But like the Lord had a retreat planned for me and he just rocked my world. He, he, ah, it was, it was so good. And, and one of the painful things that I experienced uh, is, is this as a priest, I, so I've never had a Holy Saturday as a priest without the Eucharist, because even though the tabernacle is empty in the church, mm. we always have the Eucharist like in our rectories or somewhere else. So I've never like missed a Holy Hour on Holy Saturday. And yeah, so I've I, I've never known what it's like to long to to be with the Eucharist and not have the Eucharist. Even during COVID, whenever a lot of people weren't able to go to mass, I, I was able to celebrate mass every day. I have an adoration chapel in my, my home, so I was close to Jesus all the time. Well, being on pilgrimage in Assisi, I wasn't next to the Eucharist, and I went in those churches and the tabernacles were open and Jesus wasn't there. And I tell you, it was the most piercing ache that I've experienced mm -hmm. in a very long time, um, maybe since mm -hmm. I've been a priest, of just wanting to be with my, my my love, the love of my life, Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, and wanting to see him and wanting to hold him and wanting to touch him and wanting to kiss him. And I couldn't do it because he wasn't there. And he just drew me to the song of songs. And uh, particularly whenever the, the bride uh, was like, have you seen my my lover, the one who my soul longs for, the one who my soul loves, have you have you seen him? I, I was searched through the streets and and I was I was going from church to church, like thinking, well, maybe one of these churches may, may have forgotten <laughs> and I can go and like see him. And uh, and it was just so beautiful how the Lord was speaking to me in scripture and throughout throughout this, the whole true to him, um, but particularly in that longing, what the words I perceived him share with me. And uh, and then when I got to celebrate mass, the Easter vigil that night, it was just such a gift to be reunited uh, with with him and and yeah, it was it was a very beautiful and providential um, trudeau. And, and so my glory story is that even whenever I was aching for the Eucharist, the Lord He fulfilled me in the Scriptures and He fulfilled me in His Word and He satiated my 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 ache and quenched my thirst. And yeah, He's just He is the Eucharist. And the scriptures are everything. And mm. so anyways, that's my glory story was I got to go to CC in Rome for mm. a week and it was good. So yeah, what about you? What a gift. Oh, such a gift. What a gift. Okay. So I, I've been trying to think through like, which one do I share? Because God is just so good to me. Like he reveals himself to me in so many ways that just it's not fair. So uh, I went, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for a big one. And it's tied to Rome too. So, oh, nice. um, so yeah. So one of um, one of the crosses that we bear as a couple of Kevin and I is we have a hard time conceiving. And so after we had our first two kids, we could not conceive, could not conceive, could not conceive. Doctors didn't really have any reasons. It was just like, oh, I don't know. It worked before. I'm not sure why it's not working now. Mm. 
So we were blessed to go to Rome with Focus um, several years ago. They brought a whole bunch of their um, uh, kind of senior leaders in the organization. We all went on pilgrimage to Rome together. And we went there, and it was it'd been four years since we were able to get pregnant. And so we were kind of getting to a point where we were like, maybe we should just start to plan as if we're just having two kids, you know, kind of moving on um, and, and just letting go of that constant ache, you know, of waiting and hoping and then being disappointed or mm. not, you know, disappointed, yeah. yes, but also just like, oh, okay, God, I guess that's not your plan again. So we were going to Rome and we said, you know, we're going to pray for this one last time while we're in Rome. We're just going to give it over to Jesus one last time. So we went to San Agostino where um, there's this beautiful statue of Mary that people bring the request for another child to. Mm. So we were there, and it was over the first feast of Pope St. John Paul II, so October 22nd. Mm-hmm. So we're there in Rome. We're praying. I ended up going to that church three times while on this pilgrimage because people kept asking me, where is it? Can you take me there? And I was like, ah, I can. So three times over the course of this pilgrimage, including on this feast of John Paul II, we go to pray, um, asking God for the blessing of our, another child through the intercession of Mary um, here at this, this special place. And so we came home, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get pregnant next month. <laughs> And we didn't. Um, and then another month goes by, we didn't. And then another month goes by, and we get pregnant. And I was like, oh, Lord, you are so good. Like, fulfilled that desire of our hearts that we'd been praying for and praying for. And so the due date is at the uh, is in um, October, um, and but it's like October 10th. And I'm like, okay, like, that's amazing. And of course, like all my babies, my babies get later and like, they just, they take forever to cook. They just, they don't want to come out. And so... Lo and behold, we get to October 22nd, that first day that we were there in Rome praying Feast of JP2, and I'm in labor, and we have our baby a year to the day wow. that we had prayed for her. Yeah. That's awesome. So beautiful. That's so, so beautiful. beautiful. So we, yeah. And the Lord's timing, so right? The, and His timing mm-hmm. is so much better than ours, and, and yeah, He is, yeah, oh, what a gift. And on the Feast of our Father, St. John Paul II, ah, what a gift. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so she's our Grace Charlotte. It was a girl, so we couldn't name her John Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we could, but we didn't. She's our Grace Charlotte because John Paul was Carol, which is Charles, which feminine yeah. of Charles is Charlotte. So there you love go. Love it, love it, love it, yeah. love it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and jump into today's show. All right, so our first question comes in from Leslie in Speaking of Motherhood. That's what her question's about. So she says this, Hey, Father Josh, my name is Leslie, and I have a question for you. I was raised Catholic, and I love my faith. I have a great Catholic community at my college. Obviously, in college, a lot of people, especially Catholics, are thinking about what is coming next, marriage, family, religious life, etc. I've always struggled with the desire to be a mother. I'm not really a kid person, and the idea of being a mom kind of stresses me out. When I compare myself to my female friends, I feel really out of place. A lot of them seem to desire motherhood so much. Is it wrong that I feel the way I do? If I get married, I will be open in life, but I'm still not super excited about it. Would love your advice, Leslie. So do you want to take a stab or do you want me to go? Um, whichever. I, I can. Oh, the, the, the feminine, the marrying always precedes the <laughs> Petrine, so. Ah. Uh. 
I love it. Um, gosh, I love this question, Leslie, because I get this question. Like, that was me. That was me in college, a little bit freaked out about the idea of being a mom. The idea of motherhood just kind of overwhelmed me. I was the youngest, uh, just my sister and I, that was it. So I didn't have this experience of, you know, growing up with younger brothers and sisters and a big family. And I didn't really have... Um, much knowledge of, of little kids. And so they, I babysat and stuff, you know, and it was fine, but it wasn't like, Oh, I just love babysitting. (laughs) That wasn't me. Um, and so, gosh, I, I hear you. I do hear you, Leslie. Um, and here's kind of what helped me. I think to also, um, there's so many things to say, father. Okay. First of all, I think there's something really important to note here is that we as women have this amazing gift of maternity and it is for all women, whether or not you physically have kids or not, you have what it takes to be a mom because you have a womb that can make you a mom. So God has given you everything to become a mom. And so sometimes we are called to physically have kids and sometimes we're called to be spiritual mothers in different times and stages of life, right? So this idea that um, not every woman is going to be a physical mother, but we all are called to mother in our own different unique ways. And so I think it's, first of all, just to know, like, it might seem overwhelming and you might be like, I don't think I have what it takes, but like, you do. You do have what it takes to mother in whatever capacity God is calling you to, whether that be physical or spiritual. And that's going to be lived out in your own unique way at some in some way in your life, even now and later in your life. Second thing I would say is, Think about maybe um, if that desire is not in your heart, maybe God's trying to to be a physical mother, right? Even though you're still called to be a spiritual mother, maybe he is trying to draw you to something different. Maybe it is religious life. Maybe he wants you to mother the world as a spiritual mother, as a religious sister who's given everything to God in a unique way as a bride of his, and you mother the world through that vocation. Um, so I think that's something interesting just just to ask yourself and to pray about, like, God, are you trying to say something to my heart? Maybe my desires um, are in a different direction with a very great purpose. And I think you want to make sure that you explore that and give them that opportunity. And then the last thing I would say is um, being a mom um, is, is kind of a big step in overwhelming. I'm not going to deny it. Like the idea of like, I have to like grow this person and then raise them. Like, wow. Yeah, that's heavy. And I totally understand if you're like, I'm just not really a kid person. So the first thing I would say to that is, um, is it like all stages or is it just like the baby years freak me out or the toddler years or the teenage years, right? Because kids grow like they aren't, you know, eight forever. And there's different seasons and stages. And I think a lot of moms, if they're being honest, will tell you that some stages are more, um, they, they enjoy certain stages more than others. And that's okay, right? So remember, like, if you're like, oh, babies freak me out. Well, babies are babies for a year. That's about it. Two years. Then they grow up and they enter into a new stage. There's all these different stages. So I found that, yeah, there are certain stages that are a little harder for me and other stages that I really love. So for some people, I know the idea of like being a mom of a teenage girl freaks them out. And I love it. I think it is so fun to have teenagers. We have two teenagers right now. And we also have a toddler who's three and then an eight-year-old in the middle. So we've got a little bit of every stage and they all have different needs and there's different... um, uh, there's different perks to each of those stages. And so don't get caught in the the vision of like, oh, it's all just a bunch of toddlers who need to be t- potty trained. That's motherhood. Because well, it's not. You know, they have a season where they need to be potty trained, but then you have this whole life yeah. together mm. where you're going to enter into different seasons that that 
you might find more enjoyable than others, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, I think it's just important to kind of have that long game in mind. And also, last thing, this is really the last thing. I, that just sounded like Father Mike like, This is really the like last Michelle thing. Michelle Lindsay too, like, what's your one thing? Well, I have one thing and my other one thing and my other one thing. <laughs> That's right. All my one things. Um, the last thing would just be, um, oh, no, now I forgot it. Um, uh, okay, you go, and okay, then I'll yeah. remember so it. How's that my, my two points were, number one, uh, whenever I first perceived the Lord invite me, uh, Leslie, to be a priest, I didn't want to be a priest. I had no desire to be a priest. Uh, but I... I fell in love with Jesus and he, he fulfilled me and he, yeah, he was everything to me. And so I couldn't stop thinking about the priesthood and people kept making comments to me about the priesthood. So I finally decided to go to seminary, not because I wanted to be a priest, but because I was pretty sure that God was inviting me to be a priest. And I said, God, I don't want to be a priest, but you fulfill me. You make me happy. I love you. And so I'm going to go for love of you. That's the only reason I went to seminary was for love of God. And when I got to seminary, it took me four years. I was there for eight years, but four years in, I began to desire the priesthood. Four years in. But I I went for love of God. So I think my first encouragement is just pursue Jesus right now. Like, Don't worry about motherhood. Don't worry about future things that may or may not be um, in your life in a specific way, whether it's biological or spiritual or adopted or fostered. Like, don't worry about all the, all the details. Just pursue Jesus. And if the Lord invites you to marriage, then in his will, way, and time, he'll give you the grace um, to, to be a spiritual mother, a biological mother, an adopted mother, or a foster mother. Like, he will give you the grace. Just, just pursue Jesus and, and put everything else on the, on the, on the shelf. And when it's, when it's his timing, he'll, he'll hand it back to you. Um, so that's my first thing, is, is just pursue the Lord, because if it's, if it's from him, he'll give you the desire. And now I love the priesthood, and I can't imagine being anything other than, than a priest, but this desire only came after I just simply pursued the Lord who pursued me. And the second point is, right now, I think the Lord might be inviting you to be a daughter, to just be a daughter to the Father. Um, and so sometimes we resist certain things because that's not our time to be there. I remember when I was in seminary, someone gave me the book, uh, Soul of the Apostolate, my, and, and while I was in philosophy, and I hated it. I thought it was the worst book in the world. The first time I read it, I was like, this is stupid. Who wrote this book? And then... I was given the book again in theology by Dr. Brant Petrie, and I thought it was the best book. And it's the one of the only books that I reread every single year. I read it over and over again because I think it's one of the greatest works of all time on the interior life. Uh, but the first time I read it, it wasn't a season for me to read it. So I was like, this is ridiculous. So I, what I'm saying is I think that the Lord might be saying, my daughter right now, I just want you to be a beloved daughter. And, there, and there's a, a time for you to be a daughter and a sister. And then there's a time for you to be a daughter and a sister and potentially a spouse to a particular man or a spouse to me. Um, and then the fruit of being a spouse is to be a mother, whether it's biological, spiritual, adopter, foster. But again, wait until the Lord invites you to enter into that season. So right now, a lot of people might be drawn to that season because that's where he has them. But if he don't have you there, that's totally fine. Don't be there. Be where he wants you to be. And so if the Lord has you in this space of, of being a daughter, of being a sister right now, like stay there because that's where you're going to become a saint at right now. And then when he wants anything more for you, he's going to draw you there next. And so it, it sounds to me like that might be the place and space where the Holy Spirit is inviting you to stay is, is just to be in the present moment and to not worry about the future. What about you, Lisa? Did it come back to you? It did. It did. And this is kind of like a, um, yeah, like being a mom thing, I guess. Um, the last thought I would have for you is that if God calls you to be a mother, there's a unique love that a mother has for her children that 
is a grace of being that child's mother. So if you're like, oh, I don't like kids, you might be surprised if you have your own, how much you like your own kids. <laughs> and that sounds kind of bad, but you know, it's, it's, there's a special bond there. There's a special grace of love that will come with that child that God will give you what you need to love that child. Although even if you're like, oh, I just don't really like kids. I'm not a kid person. Like you, you'll be a your kid person that that will come just because it's just that bond is so deep. God knew what he was doing. He, he will unify you with your own kids. That's that's great. Phenomenal, phenomenal wisdom from Lisa Cotter, uh, who has a new book out that you can get at www.ascensionpress.com slash reveal the gift. Boom. All right. Speaking of the gift, one of the greatest gifts for all of us is, is a woman and her name is, is Mary. And so Cora, she wrote a question about how do we be like Mary? She says, hey, I have a question for you about Mary. I frequently heard at women's retreats or conferences that women need to strive to be like Mary and look to her as a model. I think Mary's great, but I feel like trying to be like her is a bit of a stretch. She is free from sin, you know. Anyways, I'm wondering if you could explain a little bit about how us imperfect women are meant to be like Mary, Cora. Mm, another great question. So fitting. Another one that I relate to too. <laughs> like, definitely relate to. Do you want to? Do you want to go first on this one, or you want me to take it? I like to follow you. Okay. All right. So, Cora, I hear you too, girl. I'm telling you. Uh, how did you pick these? Like, these are questions I could have sent you at certain seasons and times in my life. Um, but Mary, I get it. Like, you look at her and you're like, "Wow, she's perfect. How am I supposed to live up to that?" And you're right. You do hear, right? Like, Mary is the perfect woman. And JP too. In fact, he says that Mary is the highest expression of the feminine genius, which is really, you know, the whole heart of our feminine nature of how God created us to be as women. And so you can look at her and be like, how is she supposed to be my example when she was perfect? And I think there's a couple of things I turn to when I when I think about this. And um, also, you know, just doing my own research for the book and reading her more really helped her become more real to me, become more human to me. Because yes, Mary was perfect, but that doesn't mean that she wasn't human, mm -hmm. right? She experienced emotions. We hear that even in the gospels. They tell us when the angel came to her, like, right, she was she was concerned. She was like, what is happening? Right. She had that emotion. Or when Jesus was lost in the temple, she she was worried. She was worried for him. She was she was um, feeling these emotions. So, right, emotions were not void of Mary. She didn't just like sit like a pious statue, not moving, never feeling. <laughs> she experienced humanity in its fullness as a human. I think that's also important to note too. Like Mary also had desires, right? She got hungry, she got tired. But what was amazing about her is like she didn't get hangry in those moments, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. She was able to stay united with God. And that's what makes her so special is that she never did anything that separated her from God, but that doesn't mean that she never experienced all the things that we experience. And so she's our model of how do we give ourselves totally to God and trust Him completely like she did um, when we ourselves do have, you know, these um, things that we, sins in our lives that separate ourselves, but she's that constant reminder, but here's how you perfectly stay united to, to the Lord. And so I guess I would encourage you, Cora, to as much as you can meditate on those stories of Mary in Scripture, especially coming from Luke, those infancy narratives. Uh, we also see in John, right? We see um, 
wedding feast at Cana, Mary at the cross, and try to imagine like what life must have been like for her. Like ask the Lord, ask Mary to reveal to you, show me your human side, Mary. Like show me um, how you and I are alike. Um, because when you look at the stories of Mary, gosh, like she she led a life, right? Like here she is, this, this teenager who this angel appears to and says, you're gonna conceive a child, right? <laughs> And then she has to um, leave her hometown to go have her baby. And then she has to flee to Egypt. So here she is, this refugee in this this new country, this foreign land, where she's raising her, her baby with her husband, Joseph, and apart from her family, most likely. You know, I mean, like, wow, she experienced life. She had struggles. She had hardships. So she can relate to you. She's not distant. She can relate to you. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's really helpful to me, to try to see that human side and recognize that. And know also that, um, you know, to imitate Mary doesn't mean like, so be perfect and sinless, but how do we imitate her in the way that we say, in, in the virtues that we see in her? And so one of those, I think the biggest one is in her fiat. She's that example of how do we say yes to God, no matter what he desires to give to us? How do we say yes to him in those moments where we don't understand like Mary did, right? That enunciation she didn't understand. How do we say yes to him when he's asking of us things that are uncomfortable? I mean, riding a donkey to Bethlehem when you're nine months pregnant was probably uncomfortable, right? How do we say yes to him when we're taken out of our comfort, right? She's sent to Egypt. Like that was probably not comfortable, taken out of our support group. How do we trust in him like she did? I think that's where I try to imitate Mary is in my trust like her, Um so yeah, I love that. That's good. That was so good. So Cora, I I think that Lisa did a great job answering that question. So I'm just gonna say, I ditto to what Lisa said. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was great. We're gonna take a quick break, and whenever we get back, we're gonna dive into our final question from Sarah about our favorite female saints, which I'm super excited about because they are all so different from each other, but they are all still female saints. So stay tuned. When you're a busy mom, it can seem like God comes in second place to everything else. As Catholics, we know that God should be at the center of our lives. We know we should be planning around Him instead of trying to plan Him around our schedules. But it's so hard when you're juggling all the logistics. Back for a third year to help mothers put God at the center is a Catholic Mother's Planner. A planner designed by Catholic mothers for Catholic mothers to help you and your family live with God at the center of your schedule. To help you do this, the planner includes inspirational quotes from saints and scripture, novena start dates, saints feast days, family recipes, activities to celebrate feast days, and so much more. The Catholic Mothers Planner has sold out within months every year, so be sure to order yours today. To reserve your copy of the 2022 Catholic Mother's Planner, go to ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. That's ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. And we're back. Quick reminder, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.assistionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, spell out A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. You can also share us on your social media pages and rate us and review us on your podcast formats with iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. If you do this, other people will find out about the show. If it's a gift for you, potentially the show could be a gift for them as well. Once again, we are joined by Lisa Cotter today. 
And we are talking about the gift of the feminine genius. And so our last question comes in from Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, Sarah is your first name. So Sarah writes this. Hey, Father Josh, short and simple question for you. Do you have some favorite female saints? And why are they your favorites? I do, but yeah. I have a guess. <laughs> and so she might have some too. I'll share one, you share one, and then we'll go back and forth. Because I probably have like... I have a lot. I have a lot of favorite female saints. And so, um, yeah. gosh, and it's so hard to like pick and choose uh, them because there, there are so many, but I, I'll try. I'll try. And so I think we'll start like from back in the day. St. Mary of Egypt is, is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, she's one of my favorites because she lived a life of sin for a number of years. And after she uh, had her encounter with Christ and she avoided the near occasion of sin, uh, she still struggled with sin for 17 years. She still struggled with the um, the thoughts and the uh, the affection for sin that she had for her vice of, of lust. And I just think that that's really a, a beautiful witness that that even after she spent a life of prayer and fasting and avoiding the near occasion of sin, she still struggled. And I think sometimes, especially me walking with young adults, um, they have a conversion and they're like, okay, I had a conversion two years ago and I'm still struggling. I'm like, yeah, like, all right, well, the struggle bus is real. And a lot of other saints struggled for many years after, and here are a few of them. And one of them is St. Mary of Egypt. And it was after 17 years of struggling um, with her particular vice that the Lord finally liberated her and gave her freedom um, in her walk toward eternity. So I just think that she's a great example of perseverance, um, even, even when we are still um, falling over and over again, that we can just keep getting back up. And if we keep getting back up, then we have the capacity to to become a saint. So who do you got? Okay. So it, as part of the book, every chapter, when I talk about these different gifts that I pull out from John Paul II, I pair them with a saint. And so I, I because I'm the author, I get to do this. I was choosing my favorite saints <laughs> to put into the book. And one of them I see right behind you is Servant of God, Julia Greeley. Can I cheat? Can I give Servant of yes, God? Is that allowed? He's right... There. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. She's so oh, good. Oh, I just love her. And she's yeah, neighbor so she's, too. She's, she's like, she's like your yeah. neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yep. She's my hometown hero. That's why I just, I have like a special connection to her because I can go downtown and I can walk the streets where she would walk and I can go visit her tomb in the cathedral, which is amazing. She's the only person buried in our cathedral. I just love it. What? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So good. Yep. She's to the to the left of the altar. So we always go say hi to Julia anytime we're around. Um, so why is she your favorite? Well, she, okay. So I am so grateful that we have so, um, yeah, such a love for her here in Denver because I've been able to learn so much and and talk to people who have really studied her and gotten to know her. In fact, a friend of mine is is the one, I don't know what the official word is, but he was like- for the cause. Yeah, is a friend of mine. So Dave Eubing. So he got to be the one to take everything to Rome to deposit for the review. Um, he and his wife went and they're friends of ours from a long time. So it's super cool to get to be able to know her. So I love her because of her, well, many, many reasons, but the one that stands out the most is her generosity is off the charts. So if you don't know her story, to give it briefly, she was... Um, a liberated slave. She was born into slavery in Missouri, came out to Denver and worked as a servant for various families. And she would go visit friends and her community. And she knew everybody. Like she 
she knew everybody. So she would know what was going on in different people's lives. So she'd go to the homes she'd visit and she'd be watching for what it is that they needed. She'd be using her feminine genius gifts of intuition and of uh, just like sensitivity towards the needs of others. And then she would go and she would beg for the things that she saw her neighbors needed. And at night she would take this little red wagon or sometimes you'd see her pushing a baby stroller. One time they saw her, somebody saw her in the back alley dragging a mattress on her back and she would deliver the things people needed to their homes in secret. And she would just walk away. She'd bring it. She'd walk away. And everybody kind of knew Julia was like this kind of like secret angel in the darkness, you know, doing these things. But nobody really had any idea how much she was doing until she passed away. And it was time for her viewing. And like all of Denver, I'm not even kidding, like a percentage of Denver showed up to to pay their respects and say goodbye to Julia. Wow. And people started talking and they were like, wait a minute, she did that? Well, she did this. And all of a sudden, these stories started coming out about the generosity, this hidden secret generosity of Julia, who was taking care of her community, who was seeing people with her heart, like John Paul II says, women have the ability to do, and just taking care of her community. And I just love her. I just love her. Mic drop. Yeah, I think we can actually end on that because I think that she's a great uh, disciple of Jesus Christ to end on, and also to invite people to pray for her cause of canonization, right? Like she... She could yeah. be our, our nation's um, first African-American saint um, because right now we don't have any canonized in America, uh, United States of America, uh, black saints. And so uh, that would be a great gift. And so she's definitely um, really special to all of us. And yeah, ah, I can't wait to, to read your book so I can hear more of your insights about, yeah, her expression, the feminine genius. So with that being said, yeah. again, do you have a book? What's your book called again? Reveal the gift, living the feminine genius. And y'all, you gotta get like this is a book that we can trust. Um, there's so many things out there that I think uh, can can be good, and they can also be be bad. Um, uh, and this is one of the books that I think is gonna be really good for us. And so I just encourage y'all to, to get it, to read it, to pray with it, and then to hit me up with some more questions so we can have Lisa back on the show so we can dive into more of this discussion on this topic that we are still unpacking as a church right now on uh, the feminine genius, uh, as well as the masculine genius as well, uh, which we, mm -hmm. I think, haven't even like scratched the surface on understanding. So there's just so much of a gift that the Lord has in store for us, but this is the beginning for all of us. And thank you, Lisa, for saying yes to Jesus and sharing this gift with us. Thank you for having me on, Father Josh. All right, y'all. Oh, oh, real quick, one cool thing. I don't know if you heard or not, but I wrote a prayer called the uh, Feminine Genius Rosary. And so what? you should be seeing it. So we record a video of it for my video podcast, y'all. And hopefully it's going to air maybe this week or next week. That way people can okay. listen to the podcast, this interview, and then go pray a Feminine Genius Rosary where I just felt inspired and pray. Again, I felt inspired. I'm not saying it's of the Lord because I'm not infallible, but I felt inspired to do it. And basically we focus on uh, different women in the Bible. Um, and so... Uh, it's not an official mystery. I'm not proposing to the Vatican that they add it like the luminous mysteries. But just real quick, it's uh, we focus on the the woman at the well, the woman uh, caught in adultery, the the hemorrhaging woman, uh, Mary and Martha, and then the women of the Acts of the Apostles. Because there's so many women in Acts of the Apostles who a lot of people don't know their names, but they were anointed and they were prophets and they were teachers and they um, were uh, hospitable women and they served the poor. And there's ah. Uh, so there's always beautiful women who we can learn from um, in, in our relationship with God. And and so, yeah, that should be airing pretty soon. So, mm-hmm. Ah, Father Josh. Yeah. What a gift. I cannot wait to pray that. Yeah.
Well, cool. Well, I can't wait to pray. So let's pray right now. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. God, raise up a whole new generation of female saints, of daughters and of sisters and of brides and of mothers, of women who are radically in love with you, women who seek your face and desire to listen to your voice. Jesus, we just want to uh, experience more of you. And so give us more women to draw us to you, to be bridges for us, to come to you, God, so that we can be with you on earth as it is in heaven. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Lisa, God bless.